We've been through a lot, now we're headed to the top, and it's only getting better. Just watch, cause we got that defense, 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 yeah. Alright, back again with another episode of Bluegrass Blitz. I'm your host, Zach Oaks, alongside Sean Hammond. Uh, we're coming off a weekend where we were both traveling. Sean went to New York, I went <laughs> down to Pigeon Forge, and uh, all, all in all, a good weekend, Sean. How was your weekend? Oh, it was great, Zach. You went down to, you're still kind of in the country, and I went to uh, New York. You went I was to, a Yankee. You, you went to the big city. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me tell you something. It was big. <laughs> Huge. Folks, if you never went, you need to do it. It's a lot of fun, Zach. Yeah, you did one of the uh, one of the bus trips with uh, Tam's Tours, which was kind of, uh, I was, I, 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 I yeah, I didn't know a whole lot about them, and then you told me you was going. I was like, well, this will be interesting. I want to see how it goes. Need, and- need to recommend uh, everybody to uh, check out Tam's Tours. They're actually doing another New York trip next year, and uh, they they took good care of us, Zach. So uh, Tam's Tours, go check them out. And Tam, if you want to advertise, come on down on the podcast. <laughs> well, Sean, uh, now, that we're, now that we're back here, back in good old Russell Springs, uh, we're, we're talking college football today, and uh, might even get into a little bit of college basketball because there's a – there's a story out of Memphis that there's we, a storm a brewing. There's a storm brewing, and I've been fascinated by this interview that Penny Hardaway gave. So we're going to try to touch on that here in a little bit. But uh, Sean, first off, uh, yesterday, well, sorry, Sunday, we uh, we finally found out the bowl predictions, or we found out the bowls um, where each team's going to be going. Um, Kentucky got into the Citrus Bowl, going to play Iowa. Iowa, fresh off of a destruction, they were destroyed by Michigan in the Big Ten Championship. Uh, so Kentucky is going back down to Orlando to play Iowa, Mark Stoops, alma mater. Um, what do you think about that matchup? Oh, I, I love it. I, number one, I love the storyline. I think all the Stoops brothers played for Iowa. Iowa's a very solid program. And, you know, at one time, Zach, they were number two in the country this year. You know, And they, they've got a really good defense. I like the matchup, though. I like Kentucky's chances. I was a team that wants to run the ball, and Kentucky is a better run defensive team than a uh, pass defense. So I, I like the matchup. I love the fact that Kentucky's back in the New Year's Day game. It's a chance to get to 10 wins once again. And like I said, I think the matchup's good. Uh, the coach at Iowa, Kirk Ferentz, I believe that's how you say his name, uh, he's done a really good job there. They're uh, always a solid program. They kind of remind me – Maybe a, a, a different level, but kind of like the Kentucky in the Big Ten. You know, they're they're a team that's you know that they they haven't really gotten to that point where they've won it yet, but they're always right there in the conversation. And I think they're a really good program. I, I like the matchup. I think Kentucky probably should win that game just because of the uh, the styles. Iowa, like I said, they got a good defense, but they can't score, Zach. They can't score. Yeah. The offense is kind of rough. They don't, they don't really throw the ball very well. Um, they can run the ball, and, that, and that'll and that be something we'll have to watch for. Kentucky will have to game prep for. But um, I like the matchup. I, 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 like the, I like being in the Citrus Bowl because it is on New Year's Day. It's good publicity. Um, you know, a lot of the – you know, it's, it's all of those things that, um, you know, you go into the – you go into New Year's Day, and that's a lot of times what you think about. You think about the bowl games that are on New Year's Day. So there'll be a lot of eyeballs on that. It'd be good. It's good for publicity, and that's really what you want out of a bowl game is some exposure. You know, uh, a lot of recruits paying attention. Oh yeah. You know those kind of things. <clears throat> but uh, overall, overall, I like being in the Citrus Bowl, um, Iowa. I mean, it's not a it's not a beautiful matchup. It's not anything that you're like. You're like, oh wow, we're playing against Iowa, but I think I think it's a good game. I think I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be pretty competitive. Um, I think I think I saw an initial opening line was Kentucky uh, as a two point favorite. That's probably about right. I would yeah. I would expect that to probably be a one possession game. Maybe I'm thinking the first team the thir- the first team to score ten to thirteen points is going to win. And I'm not kidding. I mean. That's what Iowa wants, and deep down, that's what Stoops likes too. Stoops likes to. I mean, yeah, Kentucky's been scoring thirty and forty, but we know what Stoops is like. He wants to run the ball, grind the game out, and so I think the first team to thirteen wins. I really do because, I mean, folks, Iowa lost forty-two to three against Michigan over the weekend. Forty-two to three. They have a lot of trouble scoring, Zach. They're not an explosive offense, it, which Kentucky has shown that they can be explosive. Yeah, but but I think Iowa will will. 
keep the offense somewhat in check. I'm looking at this game, and I'm thinking it's going to be like one of those like 20 to 13 games or something, or or 20 to 17 or 21 17, something in that ballpark. Here's the key, Zach. I don't know if they're number one, but I know they're close. I was like one of the best teams in the country at uh, interceptions, and that's been a somewhat of a, a weak point with Will Levis is he, he can throw a lot of really bad interceptions. And that's the thing, man, it, this Iowa team can turn you over. Kentucky has been horrible in turnover margin. Oh, one so, of the worst. Yeah, at, at one point they were the worst, I do believe, yeah. or right down there close. So I think that's the biggest key for this game, Zach. You can't turn it over because if you give Iowa enough chances, they will score. Yeah, and we'll and we'll we'll do some more looking into the game as we get closer. Oh, it, yeah. is, it is on January first. We've still got a few weeks away, but um, just the initial. I, I, I like being in the Citrus Bowl. Like I said, for exposure, I think that's really one of the key things you're looking for in a bowl game. You know, you uh, want to think about this, Zach. There's some fans that are disappointed that it that, that we're in the Citrus Bowl, and you know. I get that because starting out six and zero, you could get to the playoff. You could get to a New Year's six bow, one of the like the peach bow or the mm-hmm. sugar bow, and, and then from that point it kind of stinks. But to me, it goes to show the uh, progress that Stoops and the staff have made on this program. Because uh, not that long ago, Zach, we would have never thought about the citrus bow. We would have never thought about the outback bow. It was uh, Music City bow, Liberty bow, or the. Um, a popcorn bow. Well, you know, it when you look at it, Kentucky wasn't too far away from slipping down into that, you know, the the Texas Bowl or the yeah. Duke's Mayo Bowl. That would have been a fun one. Uh, <laughs> Get your mayonnaise. Yeah. So what, Kentucky could have very easily kind of slipped down the tracks there. So I'm I'm, I'm really glad the well, There were years where we were begging for that kind of bow, Zach. Just begging to get in, you know, playing in the Birmingham Bowl on – a dirt field down there in Birmingham. <laughs> just, get, just get the six wins. That's all it was. Yeah. We want six. Yeah. And so I think that's a testament to what Stoops has done at Kentucky. Yeah, and, you know, just a quick note on Mark Stoops. You know, we touched on it. We actually spent a good chunk of the podcast last week talking about it. Uh, Stoops is here to stay. Yeah, uh, at least, I'm very At least happy. for now. <laughs> Zach, I feel really good. I know you, you, you differ a little bit. I feel really good about Stoops staying here until he's done. There And there's a few people that have said that. I, I just feel like if there was a year where he was going to leave, it would have been this year. I could be wrong. I've been wrong many a times. But I just feel like I feel like he wants to stay here and see this through. I mean, I think, I, I think so too, but I think we can't discount the possibility of a job opening that really piques his interest or him realizing that he might hit a ceiling here. Yeah. Now, if Alabama came calling, I would say, Mark, either go or you're an idiot. If Alabama called Mark Stoops and offered him the job, I'd say, you got to go. I mean, and that's just how it is, Alabama. Maybe if Iowa came open someday, Zach, where that's his alma mater, I don't know. But I feel really good about him being here at least for the next five years. Yeah, I think now he's going to be here for a while because I think any job that he would would leave for – is probably not going to be open for the next yeah. couple of years. I so. mean, certainly there was big-time jobs open this year. I know we'll touch on that in a moment. But, you know, he got what he wanted, Zach, and I didn't think that it was unreasonable. You know, him and uh, A.D. Mitch Barnhart met uh, before the Louisville game, and the big things that Mark wanted was an indoor facility with no track. The current one they have, it's got a football field, but it's got a track around it, so it kind of shortens the field and a better recruiting budget. And it seems like that's going to happen. I, I, the, the contract's not came out yet, Zach. It's it's not officially been signed. Lawyers are going over it. Stoops put out the statement, though, because he, he knew that everybody was kind of nervous and the recruits, which uh, credit to him. But I think he's going to get a raise, a bump. I believe, Zach, that for every year he gets to seven wins, he gets an extra year on his contract. And then if they get to ten wins, it's an extra two years. It honestly has to be one of the most coach-friendly contracts in the country. Oh, yeah. It has to be. Uh, because I, I don't know where else a coach is getting that where you win seven games and you get an automatic You get seven team. games at LSU, Alabama, Miami, USC, you're going. You're getting fired. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're in the unemployment line. Uh, you win seven. I mean, Mark Stoops wins seven games here. He gets one-year extension. It's got to be one of the most coach-friendly contracts out there. But you and, know, Zach, I'm cool with that because oh, I, I think I think there, it's perfectly fine. There were years where I begged for that. I'm starting to think. To me personally, I think the floor now. I don't know where our ceiling is, 
But I certainly think the floor is six. I, I really do believe. I that. think so too. I think now, if you're if you're not in a bowl game in a particular season, I think it's disappointing. Yeah, uh, and, you know, this year if they would have been in the Music City Bowl, a lot of us would have said it was a failure. Oh yeah. But I think now it's if you don't get the six wins, that was a failure of a season. I think that's our floor now. And who would have thought about that? Yeah. And uh, as far as the ceiling, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I never would have. I mean, I never imagined a season where eleven and one was a possibility, but it was on the table this year. I believe that. Kentucky, I think Kentucky would have a better chance of making the college football playoff than the SEC championship, especially if we get expansion. You're well, telling, if, it, you're, if it expands to 12 teams, then absolutely. Yeah. I even think a possibility at eight. Because think about this, Zach. While it wouldn't have happened, probably just because the way things have played out, if Kentucky's only loss this year was to Georgia, they have a con- they have a, a a conversation. Oh yeah, if if you're in that situation where you you ultimately end up beating Mississippi State and Tennessee, which that's two big asks considering how those games went. Uh, yeah, if you're eleven and one, then yeah, I mean you would have had a conversation to be in a fourteen playoff. Possibly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it definitely be eight. But I mean, if the, if the playoff expands to twelve, and I don't who knows how that expansion is going to go. Um, ultimately, they have to expand it. it. It'll expand at some point. I just don't know what it'll be. If it goes to twelve, yeah, I think Kentucky can can be in that conversation because if you, I mean, say you flip the result of that Tennessee game, say Kentucky ultimately is able to win that game, and you know that game went right down to the wire, so it could have happened. Um, if they win that game, you're ten and two. Um, with your two losses to Georgia and Mississippi State, yeah, I mean you. I mean you're in that discussion. So, I mean, I think there's. I think there's a possibility if the playoff expands to twelve. I think Kentucky can be in the playoff. Now, they're probably getting in as number eleven or number twelve. Yeah, and, but you know what? And I don't I, look, folks. I love Kentucky football, but I'm realistic. Can Kentucky football win a national championship? It would take a lot. It would take I don't, a whole lot. I don't see it. But just to be in it and be a part of that conversation and look at the the CFB, uh, CFP, um, the, the, the graphics and see Kentucky on there, that would just be enough for me, Zach, just to be in that conversation. That's what the Kentucky fans that live through the Joker years and all the heartbreak, that's, all, that's really all we want, man, is to be in the conversation, to be looked at. And yeah. I would love that. Do I think we would win? No. Do I yeah. think we we could probably lose by 20? Yes. But yeah. I'm okay with that. And I don't, I don't think the idea of getting into the playoffs as like a like a 12 and and winning the opening game. No. I don't it's not it's not absurd, is it? I think you could win the first game, maybe even the second, but once you start getting into uh, the big ones, then it's different. Yeah, but it just me, just making the playoff would be absolutely astounding. And so, I, I think it's possible now. Like, is that going to be something Kentucky does every year? No, no but maybe a once every ten years, every seven years, something like that. Maybe. Yeah. I think the big thing now for Mark Stoops is uh, make that SEC championship game. That's the big thing he wants. Yeah, and it just it, it's going to be very difficult because I, you. You know, Georgia, you know, ultimately, Georgia kind of choked this weekend and lost the SEC championship. But Georgia is going to be continue to be good for years to come as long as Kirby Smart's there. And well, Kirby and Smart's going to be there for a while. And guess what, Zach? You got Oklahoma and Texas coming in. While I don't worry about those two teams particularly, I worry about how that's going to shift. You know, the, if they're going to do pods or if they're going to do east-west and move Alabama and Auburn into the east with Kentucky. Because yeah. that means you play Alabama and Auburn every single year. Yeah. And so when when they realign the conference, who knows how that scheduling is going to go? But if they do, and even if they do the pods, you might end up with Georgia, Florida, and South Carolina. You know, I'm I'm kind of hoping if they do pods, I hope Kentucky gets in with like Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and like South Carolina. Yeah, that's that. a very friendly pod. Very <laughs> friendly. Give us that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see how it goes. But I think I mean I think I, I think the ceiling is is higher than what any of us thought it would get yeah. to. and so Oh, absolutely. If you would have told me Kentucky could make a Citrus Bowl two times in, what, four years? Yeah. I would have called you crazy. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have even said once. Ten, right. Seeing Kentucky at 10 wins, it, it's the, the bottom line is Mark Stoops has done a tremendous job here, and it was not a good job whenever he took it. He's made the job much more attractive. He has done a tremendous job. He deserves a salute. 
Build the statues, Zach. Build the statues. Stoop Stadium. (laughs) Sean, the rest of the Bulls came out. Um, Just want to go over some of these real quick. Louisville is going to the first responders bowl to play Air Force. Um, Sean, there's a lot of controversy surrounding the Louisville football program right now. I know over the last week there's been a lot of news come out. Um, Just a quick rundown. Scott Satterfield is apparently returning for at least one more year. Uh, that was not supposed to happen. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, Satterfield had a conversation with Vince Tyree, and there's a lot of con- there's a lot of n- rumors running around about Vince Tyree. But um, Satterfield is apparently coming back for a year, and I know there's a lot of fans that were not thrilled about that news. Um, and now there's even more news that's coming out about Satterfield, and, and they're going to be very angry when they hear this. And then, <laughs> um. And then Malik Cunningham is coming back, which if you're a little if you're a little fan, I think you've got to be happy about that. Uh, you needed that. Malik Cunningham was your best source of offense this year. At times, the only. At times, the only source of offense. Remember that game where in the first half he was he was the leading <laughs> passer, rusher, and receiver. Yeah, that's all he did. So getting him back is is good news. But uh, Sean, you you've heard a little bit more about uh, this about this controversy with. Um, the with Louisville coaching when they hired Satterfield, so I'll let you kind of I'll let you kind of give a little rundown of that. Oh man, it's it's a mess, man. You know, I think Scott Satterfield's a good guy, but bottom line, I do not see him as the person to get this Louisville program back to where it should be. So apparently, what's came out, Zach, is if you remember, the new president of Louisville came in after all the controversies. I mean, there's so many. And said, we got to clean it up. So Vince Tyree wanted to get rid of Scott Satterfield and bring in Jeff Brom for Purdue. Jeff Brom, of course, didn't he play at Louisville, Zach? Yeah, the Brom family, of course, has extensive connections to the university, uh, to the University of Louisville. I mean, um, that whole, a home that, run hire. Yeah, that whole family is is very connected there. Uh, of course, you remember also remember, um, I believe it's is it. Jeff's brother or cousin, I can't remember which, Brian Brom, yeah. played uh, played quarterback at uh, Louisville too. So that that whole family is is very deeply entrenched into um, the in, in, into program. the Louisville football. So uh, it seemed like a obvious hire um, when they when the job was open that they would yeah. hire Jeff Brom, but it, that's not what happened. It didn't happen. So. Now it was decided Scott Satterfield was going to be fired, and Vince Tyree had a wink, wink, nod, nod agreement with Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom was apparently going to come to Louisville, Zach, and it was ready, and the Louisville president said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to pay buyouts. We're not doing it. And so now that fans know that, because I know a lot of Louisville fans, Zach, and I haven't found one that likes Scott Satterfield at all. And they had like pretty good peep sources. A lot of people saying Jeff Brown was coming to Louisville. And then the president stopped that, which I don't know the president's name. It's not a smart move. Yeah. Not, not going to be a popular move among no. the fan base because I mean, Jeff but, Brom is loved there, and I, yes. Zach, I think that would have been a home run for Louisville because Jeff Brom's winning at Purdue, and Purdue is awful. Yeah, um, Purdue's one of those jobs where it's hard to win, it's hard to recruit there. Um, you have it; you have a tough schedule every year. Yeah, if I think I think if Jeff Brom had come to Louisville, that's I mean I, I think I think he would. Be I think Louisville would be in a lot better place. Absolutely. Um, and of course, that's of course that's where he's from. He would be loved there. But it would have been a home run hire, Zach. And <laughs> you know when that came out, Vince. I think Vince Tyree was like, "Oh, okay." So now it looks like Vince Tyree is going to be the new AD at Florida State. I'm not sure if that's officially came out yet. I know it's kind of the, the scuttlebutt. But it's looking very much like he will be the new AD at Florida State. Yeah, and there's... I can't blame him. Yeah, there's yeah, it it's not official, and you know things can still change. Yeah, but 
Um, right now, there's a lot of rumblings that Vince Tyree is going to leave to be the AD at Florida State. And then, I can't blame him. No. And then uh, who knows where Louisville goes. Uh, apparently, there's a guy who's like the deputy athletic director that they'll, the, they think a lot of fans think they'll probably just end up promoting him to AD. Yeah. But um, yeah, what a what a mess, and uh, and I know a lot of fans are going to be uh, really upset about that because you, when that job opened, pretty much almost every Louisville fan was clamoring for Jeff Brom. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a, he's a Louisville guy, and um, you know, whenever you have a guy that's an alum of yours that's deeply entrenched into your program, and he's having success right up the road in Purdue, and and go, coming down into Louisville and recruiting kids out of Louisville to go well, the play jo- Purdue. The, the job wasn't officially open. It was. It was gonna. Ha- it yeah. was gonna be. Hey, we're gonna. We're not bringing Satterfield back. Yeah. But yeah, they had Jeff Brom. It was not like obviously it couldn't have been inked to paper or paper inked to paper. There we go. Yeah. Because uh, you know they would have had to fire Satterfield. But it was like a wink. Like yeah, this is gonna happen. And the president stopped it. Another thing I just seen Zach. I seen a tweet. I can't remember the name, but uh, Chris Mack's future is in uh, is somewhat in uh, limbo, especially if uh, the NCAA returns level two violations against the program. For anybody that don't know, we're still waiting for the NCAA to deliver sanctions for the FBI scandal that led to Rick Pitino and Tom Jurich being fired, and those. Uh, I mean, those file, those uh, sanctions should be coming out sometime soon, Zach. You, you would think. And, that, and here's the, here's that the key. That feels like forever ago. Well, and here's the key for Louisville. They had already been put on probation and had violations, I think, like a year prior with the, uh, the stripper scandal. Yeah. And when you get caught in a certain amount of time from the NCAA, that's a big no-no. Well, when you're on, well, it's, it's just like anything. When you're on probation and then you commit another violation while yeah. you're on probation. It's like the repeat violators rule. Yeah. Now, SMU did it in the 80s, and they got the death penalty. I don't think the NCAA will ever do the death penalty again because it absolutely destroyed SMU football. Yeah. But I think that they could hammer Louisville, and it's, it's being rumored that Chris Mack may not want to stick around for that because if you get... If you get hammered, Zach, you're talking about scholarship reductions. Postseason bans. Yes, and that could kill the program. And yeah. the, the, the Louisville Athletic Department right now is not, I mean, it's just not in good shape, Zach. There, there's no fans going to anything. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it, he, but you know, also, you know, I started to say you can't really blame Chris Mack, but Chris Mack kind of knew what he was getting into. Uh, yeah, know? I mean, the, the, they were in the middle of this when he arrived. So I, I don't necessarily feel like, Oh, you know, poor Chris Mack, because he kind of knew what he was jumping into when he jumped in, and it's like now it's like, oh, you know, now that it's actually coming down the wire, I may just go ahead. And well, and there's it. some fans that are starting to turn on Mack because has he really done that good of a job since he's been there? Well, he's not. I mean, he's not been. Co- he's not. I mean, he's been suspended for these first few games. I'm just talking about his overall. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think there's some questions about that, but I. I don't know. I don't necessarily feel too bad for him because, like I said, he kind of knew what he was jumping into, and he jumped in anyway. And it's like, if you know what you're jumping into, don't yeah. you know later when it's getting ready to actually hit, when you know that this is coming down the wire, don't wait until it hits and be like, oh, poor pitiful me, I'm out. You uh, know? And, and the worst thing for recruiting is the waiting game. You don't know when the violation, when the sanctions are going to be handed down. And that's hard to talk to recruits about because they could say, well, what happens if I commit and then I get in here and then this is the year that they drop the hammer? Yeah, because, I mean, you're I mean, you're talking, especially in college basketball, you, you know, Louisville's going after guys. There's, they're going to be going after several guys who, you know, may only plan on being in college for a year or two. And then, you know, well, what if I jump in here and my year or two that I plan on spending in college, we have postseason bans and I yeah. don't get to play in the tournament. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to go and play and no. just play the regular season with no chance of being in the tournament. That's, I mean, why would you want to do that? And then, of course, Mac had that little little scandal with Dino Gaudio over the summer. The Louisville program is just a mess, and I'm not saying this because I'm a Kentucky fan. I'm just saying it because it's a mess. I mean, it's I have a lot of Louisville friends or friends that are Louisville fans, and it's kind of hard to watch them, Zach. It's just it's one thing after another, and. The athletics department, which was a juggernaut not that long ago, has just fallen off the face of the earth. Yeah, there's. I mean, it it is. It's not good. Um, I, 
And I th- now, you know, going back to Scott Satterfield. Um, how does I, he feel? Yeah, now that this has come out, how does that go? How, and how are you, you know, how's your relationship with the athletic department? Well, there's a relationship- ripple effect to this because now Satterfield's like, oh, you wanted to get rid of me. And then that locker room's got to be like, what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, you, you're in real danger of losing recruits and players. Yeah. They're, I mean, something's going to have to happen. They're going to have to come in and try to try to clean up and do some damage control. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't even know. It's a mess, Zach. So, uh, I, but to me, next year is Satterfield's make or break year. Because if they were that close to getting rid of him – this year, which apparently it seems like they were going to, then if he has a disappointing year next year, it it's, has to be over regardless. Oh, Zach, I think if the president doesn't step in again, that if he has one little midseason struggle next year, they'll get rid of him midseason. Could be. Um, because yeah. that's the thing, Zach, this early recruiting signing period, you got to get rid of your coaches quick and get a new one. We've yeah. seen it. Yeah, the early recruiting signing period has kind of really changed, how, has really changed the coaching carousel. Um, I want to touch on a couple things here um, just real quick. Um, Western Kentucky almost won Conference USA Championship. And Close, I, man. I, they were down, I believe, 42-13. to 13 What? And, and nearly came back. I had no idea that it was that big. I, I was in New York, and I didn't have a chance to, to keep up with the game. My yeah. goodness. Yeah, it, it, UTSA got up pretty early. And, uh, yeah, it was 42-13. to 13 at the ten sixteen mark in the third quarter. My uh, goodness. And so then Western started roaring back, um, cut it to thirty cut it to forty two thirty four, and then ultimately end up falling forty nine to forty one. So Western finishes the season eight and five or West finishes that part of the season eight and five with the bowl game left to go. Um, our boy Bailey Zappi came up big again. Uh, threw for five hundred seventy seven yards on thirty six of fifty nine Four touchdowns, couple interceptions that that hurt, but overall, a really that was good probably game. just him having to be aggressive yeah, to come back because they only ran the ball sixteen times. Yeah, the I mean game. he he had to throw it a lot. Yeah. Zach, I'm not going to be quiet about it, and I know Bryce Young's probably going to win the Heisman now, especially after what transpired over the weekend. I don't care, Bailey Zappi for Heisman. Yeah, I'm with you, and I think now, um, interesting enough, he's up to 56 touchdowns on the year. If I'm not mistaken, Joe Burrow has the record at 60. So five touchdowns in the bowl game will give him the single-season passing touchdown record for uh, FBS college football. And what frustrates me, Zach, is I don't feel like a lot of people talk about him. No, I mean, I feel like he's getting a little bit more publicity now, and so that's good to see. But it's still like it's still probably not on the level it should be. Because, I mean, the dude has thrown 56 touchdown passes this year. Over over fifty five hundred yards and fifty six touchdowns, and done it pretty efficiently too. I mean, completing a little over sixty nine percent of his passes. Yeah, and not against cupcakes either. No, so I mean, um, Western's going to go play in the uh, Boca Raton Bowl. That sounds fascinating. Who are they playing? <laughs> Appalachian State. Yeah, that's going to be a really good game. I so, do believe. You know of of. The former, the former stomping grounds of one Scott Satterfield. <laughs> but uh, I bet he wishes he'd stayed there now. <laughs> but uh, so Bailey Zappi, five touchdowns away from breaking the record. If I'm if I'm Western's coaching staff, I'm having him launch the ball all Let game. Let it rip. Let it rip. Tell the running back, hey, you're going to be a lineman today. You're just going to block. Yeah, or, or send him out. Maybe he can catch some passes too. Halfback split screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe run him on a little swing route or something. Do something <laughs> like that. But, uh, no, if, I, if I'm if i the Western coaching staff, it's, it's Bailey Zappi's last game. It's a chance to break the record. I'm having him throw the ball 90 Go times. Go all out with him. Just throw it every time from the start. And throw throw them to the end zone. Let, let's try to break this record. Four verticals every time. <laughs> break out the Madden playbook. That's what That's I like. That's right. <laughs> um, finally, Sean, I'm, I was a little heartbroken over the weekend at this result. Uh, Lindsey Wilson football lost in the national semifinals to Grandview, thirty-four to twenty-eight. Tough. There, there were three undefeated teams going in to the playoffs. It was Lindsey Wilson, Morningside, and Grandview. Three undefeated teams in the whole country. Uh, Lindsey Wilson played one of those undefeated teams in semifinals. Had a couple chances to win it there, 
and uh, ultimately had the ball in Grandview territory in in the last couple minutes of the game, with uh, and got stopped down near the goal line. To oh goodness, that's heartbreaking. The, they were right there. Touchdown and an extra point would have given them the uh, would have given them the win. So it was a really close game. Uh, really, uh, really heartbreaking. And so, uh, you know, we just want to give a shout out to, uh, coach Chris Oliver and those, uh, and those guys at Lindsay Wilson and what a great season, um, came very, came very close to getting back to the national championship game, just a little bit short, but overall, what a great, what a great season they had. And then, um, Sean, I also want to touch on, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but the coaching carousel is kind of nuts. What a crazy, crazy carousel it was, Zach. Touched and it, on and it's Lincoln still Riley. going. Yeah, it's... touched on Lincoln Riley last week, but that was that was just the first initial bomb. Yeah, um, Lincoln Riley, of course, uh, going to USC, and then uh, news came out Monday that um, Miami is going is getting rid of Manny Diaz and is going to hire Mario Cristobal from Oregon. Of course, Cristobal is a Miami alum. He's co- he played there, has coached, uh, I think coached the offensive line there. And so he's going to come back. I think it, I think it's a slam dunk hire. I think Bring Cristob- him back to you, baby. I think Cristobal's done pretty well at Oregon, but I think he's going to do even better at Miami. He's a great recruiter. He's going to recruit the state of Florida hard. If you're Florida, Florida State, some of those teams – you might be in trouble for trying to get some of those kids out of the state because I think Cristobal's really going to clean up there. And then with the ACC, I mean, there's really not – there's an opening there to kind of claim the throne in the ACC. I mean, Pittsburgh is the conference champion. I don't really see that lasting. <laughs> no. uh, I don't really see Wake Forest continuing to be a threat. Uh, Clemson maybe gets back there. Maybe Dabo Sweeney finally believes that it's okay to accept transfers. Yeah, he might want to do that because uh, he's losing more and he's not taking any. Yeah. So Dabo, let's let's get some common sense, so, here, buddy. So maybe Dabo can get Clemson kind of back up there too. But he's going to have to embrace that, or they're going to stink. Yeah, and and but I think I think Cristobal in a cut in a few years. I think Cristobal can have Miami in a really good spot in the ACC. And we were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier, you know, all, you know, off air. I think we, you know, I think we both agree on this. When teams like USC and Miami are good, it just makes college football better. Zach, there's some sleeping giants out there in the college football landscape that are huge, but they've been down. You think of Texas. You think yeah, yeah, uh, Texas to that list. Yeah, what Michigan was before Jim Harbaugh came yeah. there. USC. Miami. I mean, Zach, Miami was like the program back in the 80s and in the early 2000s. The U. Yeah. And they've been kind of horrific for quite some time they've now. Been, they've been irrelevant for yeah. several years. And, yeah. And, and I, it's just better when they're good. And I think Mario Cristobal has a chance to really turn that around. He might not. It might totally flame out. But when I, when I saw this hire... I, I think it makes total sense. You know, ultimately, my, my number one candidate for Miami was Lane Kiffin. I thought that was a match made in heaven. Uh, I, I thought for sure Lane was going to leave. He's He has signed an extension to stay with Ole Miss. Maybe he's happy there, Zach. Maybe so. I mean, I, honestly, it's, the more I've thought about that, though, it's actually a pretty good fit for Lane because there aren't sky-high expectations, you know. He, he owns the city. He can do whatever yeah, he wants. He can... You know, he can win nine, ten games every year, and they'll they'll be fine. They'll, it's kind of like Stoops here. Yeah. Um, there's a, I think there's a little bit of a higher expectation at Ole Miss, but, oh, not, yeah. but not a lot. It It's not national champion or bust there. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to win the SEC West. I mean, there might be a year or two where they do win the SEC West. Maybe They could have won it this year. Yeah. You, you catch Alabama on an off year. You know, Nick Saban's not going to be in Alabama forever. Um you know, and and Auburn seems to be struggling. L, you know, maybe LSU comes back. Of course, LSU now has Brian Kelly. And me personally, I don't think that was a great hire. I don't really think Brian Kelly is going to do what LSU fans want him to do. But he'll he'll be he'll be good, not great. And I but I don't think it, I don't know if that's enough at LSU. I, I'm struggling on it, Zach. I, I think he can have success. Here's what I think. LSU fans, and I've seen a lot of them say this, it's great winning a national championship. 
But here lately, they'll win a championship, and then they just fall off the planet. They want to have consistency. Ten game, uh, you know, try to get to ten wins each year. Let's get into the playoffs some years. Can Brian Kelly do that? I mean, folks need to remember Notre Dame is really hard to recruit at because you know they have such strict academic standards to get in. LSU is rich with recruits. My thing is the personality. Can he fit down there? <laughs> and we saw him try to fit in down there. Folks, I'm going to clip it into this into this podcast right after we finish this conversation. You just have to hear it. I, actually, I'm going to play that for you right now. It's Brian Kelly. Uh, you just got to hear it. Brian Kelly trying to have a Southern voice. Most incredible 12 years of my life for me and my family um, being here in Notre Dame. It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family. And we are so excited to be in the great state of Louisiana. But more- I love that, Sean. Uh, there's, I love so many things about Playing it. my family. But, but it is it is pitiful. Like, Brian Kelly, just be you, dude. Just, just, yeah. just do your thing. Like, your thing works. Like, that- you're good at what you do. Don't. I, I, I hate when people from the north try to come to the south and try to take their accent to what we have down here. Yeah. It, 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 just it doesn't work. Just don't try it. It makes you sound stupid. Yeah. The, the first part of that clip, Zach, was I think Brian talking to his team, like after leaving, saying family in like his normal accent. The other one, he was showed up at this LSU basketball game. Man, my family. <laughs> it drags it out. And it and it, you can tell it sounds so forced. Like, just, just, just do your thing, Brian. They'll, the, if you win football games, they'll like you no matter how you sound. Yeah. And speaking of people who sound like Louisiana, I was terribly disappointed when I found out that Louisiana Lafayette did not hire Edward No, Rock. they've announced their new they, hire. They, they're promoting somebody from within their staff, uh. and I'm sure the dude will be fine. Like I'm sure he's a good person. I'm sure he's a good, fine coach, whatever. I, I, I don't even know his name. But <laughs> I'm like, I, I, like nothing against him personally, but there was not – there was not a better hire to be had than Ed Orgeron being hired at Louisiana Lafayette. It, it made perfect sense. He could have been a raging Cajun. I think that's what he is anyway. <laughs> <laughs> He's something all right down there. That would have been amazing. The expectations are low. Yeah, maybe he just wants to take a break from coaching, Zach. Maybe so. I mean, he's getting a huge buyout, and I don't blame him. You know, if, if I got a couple million dollars to... I don't think I'd come back. I don't think I would, too. I'd, I'd run through that, and then once I ran out of money, then, you know, maybe I'll come back and coach. But <laughs> if you're going to pay me to just sit home and run around and uh, do whatever I want to... Chase women, and if you're at Orgeron. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. But, uh, yeah, I, I was disappointed when I saw that, so... but. So now Ed Orgeron, I don't know what he's going to do. I guess he's, like I said, I guess he might just hang out for a little yeah. bit. Maybe re, maybe he'll re-enter the college football realm in a couple of years. I hope he shows up somewhere in Louisiana. That would be great. Or maybe we can hire him at Kentucky as like a defensive line coach. Oh, I'd love that. I mean, we need a we need a, a line coach, uh, John Summerall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can he can. Ed Orgeron can coach linebackers, right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, a crazy carousel, Zach. You know, Brent Venables, the longtime coordinator at Clemson, going to OU. I don't know, man. Here's my thing. OU is known for uh, offense. The reason why I think I like the hire is Oklahoma is about to enter the SEC. And uh, just being honest, this is where the big boys play, Zach. You can't just rely on offense. you got to have a nasty defense. Yeah, I think, I, I think it's a good hire in that, Oklahoma has kind of done things like focusing on offense with like no defense whatsoever for a while. So, and it's not necessarily like worked totally for them. Like they've had success, but they've not won the national championship. Like a lot of Oklahoma fans expect. They they would run through the big 12 and then they'd play an SEC team and get smacked. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I, I think it's probably a good hire, but I also think, Oklahoma's probably in for a rude awakening when they jump into the SEC because I think it's just a whole different ball game than what they have in the Big Twelve. I think they're in danger when they move to the SEC. I, Zach, I think that I think that's reasonable. I think they're kind of, you know, like I said, it's a whole different ball game, man. It's not, it's not anything close to the same. I give Texas a better shot of adapting to the SEC just because you know Texas has had good defenses in the past. 
You know, t- Texas doesn't solely focus on offense. So I, I think Texas could have a better shot, although they've been they've been down for many, many yeah. years longer than OU. Both those programs will be in for a rude awakening because you you got Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State. Well, guess what? Now you're coming to Georgia, Florida, Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Kentucky. You know, our Kansas, no offense, is what, Vandy? Yeah. And I don't know, Vandy's probably better than Kansas. Probably. I mean, <laughs> that'd be a, that'd be a fun game to oh, watch. Oh, that, yeah, that definitely be a candidate for worst game of the week. Might be a candidate for worst game of the year if we get that sometime. Um, Sean, I want to touch you real quick um, as we kind of wrap up college football. Uh, coming off of uh, the championship uh, week, you and I made our picks. I think we we pretty much agreed on everything, which was which was kind of funny. But uh, we were five and five. Um, not 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 our best week picking no. games, but. Uh, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked by Alabama. That one was the most surprising. Uh, Sean, the moment that blew me away was Oklahoma State Baylor because Oklahoma State was down on the goal line and got stopped four times. And the last play, they they tried a couple of run plays at the middle, you know, on first and second down, didn't get anywhere. Tried to pass on third down, got got knocked down. On fourth down, they try to they try to do like a little like zone run to the outside, and which why are you running on fourth down? And you, well, and you're it, it almost worked because inches from because the, they, from the uh, because it looked like Baylor thought they were going to run up the middle, and so they kind of crashed into the middle, and then he's sneaking to the outside, and from the camera angle, it looked like it was it was wide open. There wasn't a soul out there. And I was like, oh, he's going to run it, and all of a sudden, you see this Baylor linebacker and. I saw a tweet about it. He is apparently like a, like a he he joined Baylor as a walk on, and they were, weren't even sure that he'd even the person who tweeted wasn't even sure he had earned a scholarship by this point, but was in the game. I mean, makes an incredible play to go and stop him. He has a scholarship now, and stopped him, and knocked and, and tackled him. I, I'm not Ken Sean. It was like three inches from the end zone from the pylon, and you know, as that goes to show, football is a game of inches. Credit to that that bat, that linebacker for not for not giving up on the play. He he chased that guy. I mean, it was close. I mean, we're talking. I mean, basically, Zach, Oklahoma State was inches from the college football playoff, and Cincinnati was inches from not being in the playoff. Yeah, if you're if you're Luke Fickle, you need to be uh, sending that Baylor linebacker a good check or something. Yeah, because <laughs> if Oklahoma State wins that, I believe Cincinnati was would have been out. Yeah, I think I think if Oklahoma State wins that, I think the playoff committee would have put Oklahoma State in over Baylor and, and or over Cincinnati, and uh, Cincinnati would have been on the outside looking in, which would have set off a firestorm. Yeah. But uh, but it, it would have also been hard to say, look at Oklahoma State and say you're you would know, have a better resume than you have, Cincinnati. Yeah, you have one loss and you've beat Oklahoma, you've beat Baylor. Um, you know, hard to look at them and say you're the Big Twelve champions. You know, hard to look at them and say yeah, nope, you're out. But uh, yeah, I mean Oklahoma State was just inches away from making their first ever appearance in the college football playoffs and just got stopped. Yeah, I, I'm not kidding. Like three inches from oh, the yeah. goal line. And, and you know, Zach. Uh, the SEC, I said Georgia was going to row Alabama. It's kind of the other way around. Yeah, I think I said uh, Georgia was a six and a half point favorite, and I would be hammering Georgia in that game. Thank goodness you didn't bet it. Thank goodness I didn't put in, actually put any money on it because I would I would not be as uh, I would not be as jolly this week if that had <laughs> happened. But uh, yeah, and uh, real quick, Sean, as we as bowl games were announced, um, pay attention to. Uh, the Laker Sports Talk Twitter page because I'm going to be posting a link there. Sean and I we're going to uh, set up a uh, a bowl pick'em game where you can uh, submit your picks, go up against us, and see uh, who of you out there can uh, pick the games the best. Uh, the spreads haven't been announced yet, but it's we're going to pick against the spread in those games. So um, we're going to have we're going to have that. We're working on maybe if we can trying to have a prize for the winner of that. We haven't got that ironed out yet. If you if you know anybody who would like to be a sponsor of that, reach out to us. We we would love to have a sponsor for that bull pick'em game. Uh, and I hope you all, uh, I hope if you're all of you who are listening, I hope you all will join in on that. Uh, pick the games. We'll we'll provide some updates as it goes on the podcast about how that's going. But uh, we're really excited to launch that. I'm gonna post the link on Twitter. Um, 
and may I may even put it up on a website or something like that. We'll we'll put that link out there so you all can join that and make your picks and get involved. And we're gonna see we're gonna see who can pick the bowl games. But <laughs> bowl picks are always fascinating because a lot of the results are not anything like you would expect. Uh, because you know you have different things. You have some teams that are just like, eh, I don't care about this." Or some teams that play like it's the most important game of the season. Yeah. It, 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 it's it's unlike the regular season to me. So I think I think it adds a little bit of extra element of fun to that. So be on the lookout. I'll be posting that link uh, a couple times over over the course of the week to try to get some people registered for that. Um, finally, Sean, we we didn't really touch on college basketball much at all last week, and. We haven't really touched on a lot this week, but uh, there's a story in college basketball that I've I'm just amazed by. I've been reading about this. It, it's it's hilarious, but also kind of concerning. Penny Hardaway at Memphis is a train wreck. Yeah, before and you know more about this than I do, Zach. I'll give you the stage, but I just want to say this: Penny Hardaway can recruit, but it looks like he cannot coach worth a lick. They. Uh, they have str- they had one of the best recruiting classes in the country, brought in Jalen Duran and Imani Bates, who are two of the best prospects, had them both reclass. They came in, and they have not done well. And Penny has not done well with this team. Zach, they've lost to Georgia and Ole Miss, who are in like the bottom of the SEC. So I – and I say all this, and, I, you know – I didn't know how Penny Hardaway would work out at Memphis. I kind of thought, well, he has a chance there. I know he can recruit. I know uh, he has the chance to do something really strong there. He's been a thorn in John Calipari's side on the recruiting trail because, um, you know, Kentucky was after, Kentucky recruited both Imani Bates and Jalen Duran. Um, and, of course, you look at James Wiseman, too, how that whole thing worked out. But That was a disaster. Yeah, but Penny's not really done well with the recruiting success he's had. And then he's not been to the NCAA tournament since he's been at Memphis Zach, with all these recruiting classes. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I look at this, and so he, uh, Penny gave an ad, or interview to Seth Davis at the Athletic, and um, I'm just amazed by the comments he's making. He made the comment, "We've got so much negativity in our locker room with veterans being jealous. Everybody's trying to get to the NBA off the ranking we had, but nobody's willing to sacrifice minutes, touches anything. It's been miserable." He's throwing these juniors and seniors he has completely under the bus. Not only is he throwing them under the bus, he's putting the bus in reverse and running back over them again. Which is, you know, probably not the smartest thing to get your team going, Penny. Yeah, and here's another quote from him. Um, There's a group of people on this team that if I played them, I really feel in my heart we could be undefeated or only have one loss. The main reason we have these losses is the veterans don't want to take the young guys under their wings. They want it to be about them. So when adversity hits, they run. I guarantee you will start winning because you're going to see guys out there who care and will carry out the game plan. They might make mistakes, but there are not going to be any character issues. John, if I'm one of these juniors or seniors on this team, I, I, I don't know exactly what's going on with them. I don't know if I totally buy Penny's thing. I think he. I think there's a possibility he's just trying to save face right now. But if I'm one of these juniors or seniors, I'm looking at Penny and being like, "Well, if you think I'm such a problem to the team, all right, I'm out. Let your let your freshman play. And Go here, ahead, Zach. Here's what's dangerous about that. Uh, number one, you're going to lose the locker room. But number two, we've got this little uh, transfer thing now, to where players can transfer one time and play immediately. You really want to give these players a reason to leave? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, I, I'm all for the transfer portal opening up the way it has. Yeah. I think. I, I mean, I think these kids should have the. If op- coaches can leave, then the kids should leave. I don't like it just being one time. I mean, I guess you don't want kids switching schools every single year. Maybe you could do something about that. But I think if a coach can leave any time, then why can't the kid leave? Yeah. Same thing with pay. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I, I don't have a problem with that. But because it, it puts more, it puts more power into the hands of the players, and so I, I'm fine with that. They're the one making, making, generating the revenues. Exactly. So, but with that said, you know, if you, if your coach is giving national interviews where he's literally throwing you under the bus for the team's struggles, he's basically saying he, he's not putting any blame on the freshmen here, on on, on Duran and Bates. He's putting it all on the upperclassmen. And he's uh, that the problem is he's isolating those freshmen. So now the upperclassmen are going to look at the freshmen differently. Yeah. You you are – I mean, I, I don't really like the idea of when coaches throw their 
team under the bus, I mean, especially in college when they're 18, 19 years old, or some of them, and even like Amani Bates is 17, yeah. you know. He's not even an adult. Yeah. I don't like when coaches do that anyway, but I think it's even worse when you start isolating certain players and saying these players, these specific players are the cause of our problems, not, you know, like I said, I don't like when they're like, oh, well, our guys just, you know, don't play hard or whatever. But when you start saying, well, we have uh, juniors and seniors, the juniors and seniors on this team are really our problem. Our freshmen aren't, you know, but these guys are. That opens up a whole dangerous thing of and, – and to me, if I'm a recruit looking at that – I'm not it, going to that. You're basically saying, like, if I don't perform well, I mean, my coach is just going to trash me in the national media? Zach – if he don't make a tournament this year, he needs to go, especially after that. And you know what? Something else. John Calipari has his issues. He has his flaws. But you know what, Zach? Everybody always says, oh, well, the only reason he wins the game is because he recruits those players. Well, there's a little bit more that goes into that, and we're seeing it at Memphis. And he recruited the best players, and Memphis, quite frankly, sucks. I I think that's I think that's an excellent point. You hear a lot of times people say, "Well, it's just because he it's just because he recruits all these talented players." Well, yeah, he does. He recruits talented players, but I think what Penny's shown you is that you can recruit talented players, but you still have to coach them. And it sounds like Coach Cal could always get players to sacrifice. I think Penny is having trouble with that. I, th- I think so, and I think he's. I think there's he, you. I mean, I mean, you read this story in the Athletic, and it and it's incredibly shocking the things he says um i it just it just amazes me he says i want to read this one more quote here because it just blows my mind i thought those guys would help the young guys with open would welcome the young guys with open arms i know there's going to be a jealousy factor and everybody's not going to be happy that you have two young guys come in that have big names but i didn't think it would be like this this is a tug of war over who wants to be the man i mean i'm just i'm just amazed i i'm just amazed he basically is talking about how uh, there. He says. He says our problems have nothing to do with the X's and O's. We have character issues all the way around. I mean, he's basically saying, "Look, not my fault. I'm doing my job, but at the same time, like, it's it, it's not my problem. I got the X's and O's down, but it's these guys who are the problem. I'm just. How do you, how do you justify that when you go into the living room of a high school prospect and say? Come play for me at Memphis. If I'm that dad, I'm slamming the door in his face. If, if I'm the, if I'm a parent of a top-notch high school prospect, I'm pulling up this article and I'm saying, okay, Penny, what about this? What about this? And it, if it, is if this going to be one of my kids? And if it's a character issue, then maybe he, maybe he doesn't know how to pick the right kids. And if it's a character issue, Zach, how do you explain away the other two, the other seasons where they didn't make the tournament? And here's something else, Zach. James Wiseman just quit in the middle of the year and decide to opt out and go to the draft, he keeps his crap up. These two freshmen are going to do the same. Yeah. They're going to be drafted. I just don't know how if you're if – you're, and the thing about it is, Penny's been there long enough. Pretty much these kids that are on the roster are kids he brought in. So yeah. uh, so you can't you can't do the thing where it's like oh I'm you know just starting out and these are some holdovers from the previous coach and they they're just not buying into what I'm trying to sell. It's not that these are kids you brought in. So uh, I'm just I'm just amazed at what's going on at Memphis with Penny Hardaway and I, it's like a it's like a drama that I think will will probably follow the whole year just to kind of see what happens. It's it's a dumpster fire, Zach. You're telling me that you've got those two recruits. And yet, you lose to Georgia and Ole Miss, the bottom feeders of the SEC. I mean, Zach, Georgia is awful. Yeah. I mean, awful. And you you can't beat them. And you've got these two players. You put these two players on Kentucky or Duke, those two programs are rolling. And, and it's all, I mean, not to mention the fact, Sean, that like there are players on the roster that were part of like top 10 recruiting classes in years past. So it's it's even more than that. It's it's not just these two players. I mean, these were. I mean, most of these kids were, you know, talented. I mean, talented recruits. And in the case of there's one guy who was a transfer from Evansville who was like one of the best players on that team. There's talent on that roster, up and down. But it seems like there's issues with their two with their two star freshmen, which 
So Memphis is now five and three on the season, which they started out, I think, either I think they were in the top ten, Zach, and that they they beat who in the world is that? Is that ten? They beat Tennessee Tech. Tennessee Tech. Okay. They beat um, North Carolina Central. Well, that's a that's a powerhouse. <laughs> Uh, then they beat uh, St. Louis, and okay. then they beat uh, Western by eight, and then Virginia Tech by eight. They lost by, looks like, 19 to Iowa State, Ooh. three to Georgia, and then four to Ole Miss. Three losses in a row. Mm-hmm. The, I, the, the drama there just blows my mind. I, and, and, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, the next three games, Zach, they got <clears throat> against Murray State, then they've got Alabama and Tennessee. Could end up being two more lot. Could end up being losing two of those three. They could be six and five after uh, December eighteenth with a team that should be either undefeated or with one loss right well, now. Well, according to, according to Penny, if uh, he only played the players that care, they would be undefeated. I think it's somebody that can't coach. <laughs> that can recruit but can't coach, and there is a difference, folks. Because now I I want everybody that says that John Calipari crap. Is he the best coach? No. Is he a good coach? Absolutely. The is, things that he's done. To is the, he a great play- coach? Yes. Yes. He is a great coach. Is, is he, is he the best? No, I think, I mean, Mike Krzyzewski has, yes. has in that. In terms on. of X's and O's. Yes. yes. But you have to be, you can't just bring in five stars and just sit back. And, oh, go ahead and play guys. It, it doesn't work. like Yeah. That, well, what was the old thing? He just rolls the ball out. You yeah, know, that's not how it works. No, you, not how it when, works at all. When you put Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist, the number one and number two pick on a team and you say, all right, guys, you're not going to shoot 30 shots a game. You're going to sacrifice and play defense. Yeah. That that takes a great coach. And, exactly. And, look, I'm not trying to be a homer for Coach Cal. I'll criticize Coach Cal all day, every day, because there are some things that I don't like. But I don't want to hear this argument anymore that he has the best players, so, therefore, he's not a good, a great coach. He's just a recruiter. Right. Because now you're seeing you can recruit and not coach, and Penny Hardaway is the perfect example of that. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of Kentucky, Sean uh, – you know, it's, not, it's kind of been a quiet week for Kentucky basketball. Not been a lot going on. Um, they play Southern tonight. Um, so, so HBCU. Yeah, it's part of an HBCU series that uh, John Calipari started. I know we ramble about the schedule a lot, but I, in a way, I do think it's kind of cool that he's uh, doing this HBCU Absolutely. series. Absolutely love that. Yeah, love I think it's a good idea. It kind of gives them some exposure. We can keep that. We can keep that series, but can we? Can we get some other good non-conference games outside of that? John, um, I'm sure you're listening to this. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening uh, intently. No more Albany. No more North Florida. No more Central Michigan. Please, thank you. No more Robert Mor- Morris. They beat us in the NIT. We got a revenge a year later. I'm done with Robert. I, Morris. I don't want to see Robert Morris ever again because every time they play Robert Morris, that's all I think about is that NIT game. Yes, Zach, and uh, after Southern. It starts to heat up. Starts to heat up a little bit, and so this Saturday it's at Notre Dame. Kentucky can lose. I think I think that'll be a good test. Uh, then it's going to be against Ohio State in Vegas for the CBS Classic. Ohio State, who just defeated Duke, number one uh, at the time, number one Duke, and then uh, Louisville. Yep. So I think so. I mean, as much crap as we give about the non-conference schedule, there is this stretch here that's going to be uh, that's going to be really telling. We're going to kind of see where Kentucky's at before they get into uh, conference play. I think they play one conference game and then they have the high point game on yeah, New Year's Eve. Tubby. Yeah, to, and bringing Tubby back that'll be really cool. And then you get into the conference slate. The SEC is kind of really top heavy this year. You got the, the top is good and the bottom's horrible. Yeah, and there's not, and then you've got a few teams floating in the middle. So. We'll see. We'll see what Kentucky's made of over the next couple weeks, um, leading up to the end of the calendar year. Um, we'll kind of see when they play Notre Dame and uh, Ohio State. That Ohio State game is a lot more interesting now that they've beaten Duke. So we kind of, th- I mean, oh, yeah, that, that game intrigues me a lot more. So we'll kind of see where they're at. But Sean, I think this, uh, I think this is where we're going to wrap it up at. I know there's, we've touched on a lot of topics, been a lot going on, but. Uh, <laughs> Overall, I'm really excited. For, I'm really excited for the bowl season. I'm excited for the playoffs. Um, you know, we kind of didn't touch on the playoffs too yeah. much. Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, and then Cincinnati. Those good playoff matchups. I think there's posi- I think there's a weird possibility we have a Cincinnati Michigan championship game, which I don't think anybody We're tease saw- the people a little bit with our picks. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll go with it. And like I said, if you join our group, you'll you'll see you'll see where our picks are. 
ultimately, I think I'm going with an Alabama-Georgia rematch in the national championship. I, I dread that. I it, dread that. It, it, it's not the most exciting thing, but there'll be a good storyline of can can Georgia redeem itself and the Kirby Smart Nick Saban thing. There's some good storylines there, yeah. but it's a matchup we already seen, and so that kind of limits the uh, limits the shininess of it. My, my big thing: I, Cincinnati cannot get blown out by Alabama because this is the first time a group of five's gotten in. You can't get blown out, or the playoff committee is going to be like, "See, that's what happens." Yeah. Here's my quick picks: I got. Um, Michigan versus Alabama for the championship. I think that would be a. I think that would be a really good. That's game. That's a brand matchup too. Yeah, I like that. I think, it, I think it would be a really good game. Uh, anyway, like I said, I'm gonna be pushing out the link for the bowl pick'em game. Uh, be on the lookout for that on Twitter. I'll be pushing that out. So uh, get on that. Make an account. Register. Join us. Join uh, Sean and I as we make the bowl picks and uh, tell your friends about it. We wanna. We wanna see a big group there. Uh, join that of everybody who listens to the podcast. Again, thank you all for taking time.